American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today, we're talking about Margaret Brent, the woman who saved Maryland. Margaret Brent was born in England in 1601 to a family that was secretly Catholic. And during the English Civil War, she played a key role in keeping the colony of Maryland alive. Let's look at the context of what was happening in England and who was whom to set the stage for Margaret Brent's dramatic life. Well, we'll start with George Calvert. Calvert was a powerful politician during the reign of King James I of England, and he was secretly Catholic during a time when Catholics and Protestants were taking turns killing each other, and Protestants had the upper hand. In 1625, after he came out on the losing end of some political intrigue, George Calvert resigned his positions in the king's government and publicly proclaimed his Catholicism. King James, shortly before he died in March of that year, named Calvert the first Baron Baltimore and gave him an estate in Ireland. Calvert immediately sought to establish a colony in the New World, both for commercial reasons and to be a safe haven for Catholics. The new king, Charles I, who was himself Protestant but who had married a Catholic, was agreeable to this and the process was set in motion. But George Calvert died five weeks before it could be finalized. Upon his death in 1632, his son Cecil, the second Baron Baltimore, was granted the charter to this new colony by King Charles, who named it Maryland after his wife, Henrietta Maria. So Maryland was established in 1632 with Cecil Calvert as proprietor, but Cecil Calvert never went over to the New World to govern his colony. No, Cecil sent his brother Leonard to be the governor of the new province of Maryland. Leonard sailed with 140 colonists and literally a boatload of supplies. The first settlement and capital of Maryland Maryland was named St. Mary's. So where did the Brents come in? Were they among these first 140 settlers? No, they came a few years later. The Brents were a wealthy English family with noble heritage, and they were at least nominally Protestant. Margaret was one of 13 children, six girls and seven boys. When one of her younger sisters, Catherine, out of the family as Catholics by going to Belgium to join a convent, the rest of the family basically admitted, yeah, we're all Catholic. This admission had heavy consequences, especially economic ones. It would have been tough enough to raise 13 kids as Protestants but Catholics had even worse prospects. So out of necessity, both religious and economic, in 1638, Margaret Brent and three of her siblings, her sister Mary and brothers Folk and Giles, sailed from Maryland with letters from Cecil Calvert, who actually was a very distant cousin of the Brents, granting them property rights equal to the original settlers who sailed over in 1634. Upon arrival, Margaret became the first female landowner in Maryland, and within a couple of years, through family connections, business transactions, and because they brought over many additional colonists, she became one of the most significant landowners in the colonies. She and her sister Mary managed their primary 70-acre plantation in St. Mary's under the name Sisters Freehold, but they controlled thousands more acres. Margaret and Mary were also an anomaly and very historically interesting because, despite the 6 to 1 male to female ratio and how rare it was for women to hold land in positions of authority, Neither of them ever got married. Some speculate that they had taken some sort of religious vows of celibacy, but there's no actual evidence to support this. So they remained single women and major landowners in their own right. As such a large landowner, Margaret must have taken a keen interest in colonial politics. Yes, she became a political ally of Leonard Calvert, and by virtue of his marriage to her younger sister Anne, he was also a brother-in-law. 
So it seems like initially everything went pretty well for the Brents and for Maryland in the New World. But we mentioned at the beginning that Margaret had to save Maryland. How did things begin to go south? Well, the problem was they were all still English. Maryland was established to be a Catholic haven, but there were plenty of Protestants in the New World, as in the neighboring colony of Virginia. Those Protestants had protested the establishment of a Catholic colony just across the Potomac River, but Charles I did it anyhow. The political and religious strife continued in England, turning full-fledged into the English Civil War in the 1640s. In 1645, a Protestant ship captain named Richard Engel attacked St. Mary's, burned the Catholic chapel, and plundered the city. Many residents of St. Mary's, including the Brents and Governor Leonard Calvert, fled across the Potomac into Virginia. Only a year later, with the help of Margaret Brent, Leonard Calvert raised enough of an army to retake St. Mary's. Calvert had pledged his estate, and importantly, that of his brother Cecil, Lord Baltimore, as security to pay the soldiers. But after retaking the city and before he could make good on these payments, he became ill and died. On his deathbed, he named Margaret Brent the executrix of his will, instructing her clearly, take all, pay all. So that meant she controlled all of Leonard Calvert's holding. That's exactly what it meant, and more. To take care of Leonard Calvert's debts, she liquidated his estate. But she still had to figure out how to pay the soldiers who were threatening mutiny right there in the town they had helped to retake. First, she turned to the colonial legislature, hoping to get them to raise a tax to pay the soldiers. Representation in the legislature was based on land ownership, and since she held lots of land in her own right and was executrix of Leonard Calvert's will, she requested two votes. At the time, no woman who was not a queen was permitted a position in government. Her request was denied. When requesting the two votes, she's reported to have said, quote, I've come to seek a voice in this assembly, and yet because I am a woman, forsooth, I must stand idly by and not even have a voice in the framing of your laws. And when Margaret left the chamber after being denied, she said that she, quote, protested against all proceedings unless I may be present and have a vote as aforesaid. Yes, but she wasn't done. Her next step was more drastic. You see, when Leonard Cal in addition to being governor, was also the attorney for his brother Cecil, Lord Baltimore. So when Leonard named Margaret his executrix, he also gave her a claim on being attorney for Lord Baltimore in Maryland. So she went to court to press this matter, and they agreed. Margaret Brent was named Lord Baltimore's attorney. As a landowner and a businesswoman, Margaret had acted for herself in court many times, so she was well prepared to act as Lord Baltimore's attorney. Yes, and thus empowered, she immediately ordered corn to make bread for the starving soldiers and then sold enough of Lord Baltimore's cattle to pay the soldiers' wages. Lord Baltimore was not pleased. He may not have realized the existential threat that the unpaid soldiers posed to his colony, but he wrote a strongly worded letter against her actions to the Maryland legislature. The legislature, the same one that had denied her a voice or a vote, defended her stewardship of his property saying it, quote, was better for the colony's safety at that time in her hands than in any man's, for the soldiers would never have treated any others with that civility and respect. She rather deserves favor and thanks from your honor for her so much concurring to the public safety than to be justly liable to all those bitter invectives you have been pleased to express against her, unquote. They knew that she had done well and that no man they knew of could have done as well, let alone better. So did the Assembly's praise cause Lord Baltimore to come around and cool off? Unfortunately not. The Brents had fallen out of favor and there was no going back. One potential reason was the rapidly deteriorating situation back in England. In 1649, the year that Lord Baltimore had sent his angry letter to Maryland, things came to a head in this English Civil War when King Charles lost his. His head, that is. He was executed in the the virulently anti-Catholic Oliver Cromwell took over as a military dictator. Lord Baltimore may have acted against the Catholic branch to curry favor with Cromwell. So what did the Brents do? 
Well, the Brents had been building their exit strategy for a while. Beginning in 1647, Margaret and Mary had begun buying land in the Northern Neck area of Virginia. By 1650, they had moved to their new plantation in Virginia, which they dubbed Peace. And there, oddly enough, in very Protestant Virginia, they lived in peace. They sold their Maryland holdings bit by bit over the years and acquired more land in Virginia, establishing the first Catholic settlement in that colony. Mary Brent died in 1658, leaving her 1,000 acres to Margaret. When Margaret died in 1671, she left her extensive holdings to various siblings and their children. Her massive estate included what is modern-day Old Town Alexandria, Mount Vernon, and Fredericksburg. And 15 years later, in 1686, the last Catholic King of England, James II, granted 30,000 additional acres in the newly established Stafford County to Margaret's great-nephew, George, and granted religious liberty to all those who lived in that tract. But now, nothing remains of the Brent Plantation buildings, nor their family cemetery. The buildings were torched during the War of 1812, and the cemetery vandalized during the American Civil War. But there is an unexpected roadside marker in Virginia for those paying attention. U.S. Route 1 is a major highway that passes north-south through Fredericksburg and up through through Washington, D.C. If you're driving north on that path as you're approaching Quantico Marine Base, just north of St. William of York Parish, you'll see a large 15-foot-high bronze crucifix near the road. At that spot was the location of the Brent Family Cemetery. This crucifix was erected in 1930, and in 1998, the Commonwealth of Virginia erected a marker near the crucifix to commemorate the Brents for establishing the first Catholic settlement in Virginia. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you you've been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest.